for me, my life has been about the mission, right? What has the Lord called me to do? I know I have a legacy to uphold. I have like, this is an inheritance of mine. My parents um, were given a promise and a word and I know I'm fulfilling that. And so when I see all of, even with the things that I've done wrong and stupid and all of that, how God has continually like ordered my steps and allowed me to get to this place where I know it has nothing to do with really with me, you know, I'm really clear on that. I'm just following his leading and he's setting this up. And so now I get to literally live out my dream and worship Jesus at the same time. That's a nice praise. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Trevor Talks, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today's guest is one of the forerunners of gospel music in our culture today. She is a Grammy Award winner, as well as one of the leading voices behind Maverick City Music, which is way too many accolades for me to go through right now for time's sake. She is a mother of three, wife, real person, and has a new record out called Journey, in which you can stream on all major streaming platforms. And aside from all that, she is our 100th guest on Trevor Talks, which is beyond anything I could ever imagine. And if this is your first time joining us, which I'm sure we will have a lot of first time listeners with this guest, I'm excited for you to be here. And I don't really know what else to say to introduce this lady. So we're just going to dive right in. Please help me welcome Miss Naomi Rain. Naomi, thank you for being here. Hey, Trevor. Thanks for having me. I'm really like excited about this. And you just saying that I'm the 100th episode i'm like oh we've got to make it count we have to make it count (laughs) and this is awesome and you're joining us from fort worth where y'all just played what i'm sure was a sold out show last night with kirk franklin in fort worth how does it feel to be on this amazing tour with kirk franklin of all people come on now it is unreal like Literally every day, there's a new surprise. We are laughing all the time. We are worshiping very deeply. We are dancing um, much more than I ever thought we would. And so uh, it is just a great time. We have so much fun every single night. Well, I've heard that this is one of the best shows to see of our generation. One of my best friends was like, dude, have you seen Mav City yet? And I was like, no, I haven't got to see him yet. He's like, you know how much I love the 1975, I think is what they're called. And I'm like, yeah, like your favorite band. He said, I just saw Mav City and Kirk Franklin in Bridgestone Arena. And when I tell you this was the best show I have ever seen in my life, it was the best show. And I was like, (laughs) like I was just in Orlando doing a show and I kept driving by the arena out there and it said sold out like Kirk Franklin, Mav City. This is a big tour and it has to be humbling to know like with Mav City and Naomi Rain still being such a fresh name in the music scene to be able to just escalate this thing as large as it's become. It could only be explained that it's a God given miracle of its own. Oh, yeah. I think um, I think there's no other explanation outside of God wanting to breathe on this and and put our names and and the music in the wind. Right. And having people hear it. I think one of the things, one of the advantages that we have is that we're a collective. There are a bunch of different artists. And so you're not just getting one thing. You're getting a bunch of different things. And honestly, I think the other part is that it's just organic and we're just here to worship and it works. But I'm telling you that Kirk Franklin, 
it's a show. It's a show. And it's so good. I find myself sometimes like just watching. Um, and so I'm grateful to be a part of it. Come on. And you just released your debut solo project. How does it feel to have Journey out into the world right now? And, you know, I would dance, but I don't want to embarrass myself today. <laughs> like this album did make me dance. Like I've been listening to it for the past, I guess it's only been out since Friday, right? Uh-huh. So, so like it feels like it's been a week, which is, <laughs> that's why I had to ask. I'm like, this thing just came out on Friday, but I feel like I've been listening to it for a week. It's phenomenal. And my favorite track on there is actually the first one, which is Journey Overture. And I'm like, it sets the tone for the record, but it also has the voice clips here and there and some lyrics that really stand out to me as like someone who's experienced so much anxiety and depression in my life. And God like continues to just teach me how to live and heal from that Mm -hmm. hearing and don't you forget to breathe i'm not afraid to fly i'm not afraid to try but sometimes i can't decide which way to turn no i'm not afraid to go admit i still need to grow sometimes i think i know everything but i don't i wake up i get to work and i could go through the whole song but it's so relatable like for me personally so thank you for being so vulnerable and just sharing your thoughts and the things that you process through but with this song in particular what was the creative mindset to like okay we're going to start the record with this song right here in particular so the overture was the last song to be created um and i was you know we were listening to the songs down just listening 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 And I was just like, I want to do an overture. Now, originally it was going to be musically an overture. So I don't know if you're like familiar with uh, musicals and and all of that stuff. But like usually there's an overture that has little pieces of the main songs um, in it and just little snippets. And it's usually musical, not um, no lyrics. And as we got into the studio um, to work on it, I was with um, my producer, Adele Jackson, And we were just sitting there and I was like, yo, what if we just, what if I just sing the first line to every song? Um, And he's like, all right, bet. So he just starts playing that. I can't even sing it, Um, but he starts playing that. And I went in the studio and just started singing the first lines and it, came out the way it came out. But I pulled from this other song because Journey, I've been writing this album since 2016 and I had a song called Journey. It was the, you know, the title track and it had those those words. I'm not afraid to fly. I'm not afraid to try. Um, sometimes I think I know everything, but I don't. Those are those words from, from Journey. And so we got to like meld it together and create this journey overture that hopefully i mean you talking about it really made me feel good as an artist i'm like he gets it somebody gets it well it's fascinating because the sound that you're introducing with this record is a lot more soulful and r&b driven than Mm -hmm. the more gospel worship direction that you display with maverick and that had to take some like nerve-wracking like processes to get through because it's like everybody knows you from promises and gyra and like you can go through the hits which is nuts because what if y'all put out like five or six records since 2018 i'm like y'all are busy (laughs) it's a lot so it had to be nerve-wracking to release but it has to feel good to know that it paid off and is impacting people now hi everyone if you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault listen up We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. 
Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. It is. I'm I'm not going to lie when... It wasn't I wasn't nervous like Thursday night before it dropped on Friday. I was really nervous the day that we, I had to submit the files to upload it, you know, so that it can be released. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, because it is a different sound. And some people, you know, music is all about taste. And I think that thematically um, and content wise, this is for everybody, you know. And so I didn't want to alienate or I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know the words that I'm trying to say, but I don't want to leave anybody out, you know, and um, I'm hoping that the sound doesn't do that. But what I'm finding is that the response is like, oh, no, this is what we needed. And this is what we're I'm so grateful for this sound. And it's people that are like, I never listened to this type of music, but I'm thankful for this. You know, I've heard it from a bunch of different people. So yeah. it's, it's working. I'm not going to cross my fingers. I'm blessed. No, so you are blessed. And <laughs> I'll be honest with you, like, I say this a lot. My listeners can attest to it. I'm more of a hard rock fan. So when I dove into it, I didn't know really what to expect. But instantly, I was drawn into it. And I'm not lying. Like, I'm dead serious. Especially when the first single came out, I was like, not ready. And then I saw it was premiered on YouTube. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for it. Like, <laughs> and we'll dive into it later. But even the look and the sound that you've presented in that single alone was enough to get you loose and get you ready for whatever was next to come. So I know it was strategic to launch that song first. And I'm so glad that you did. But it's almost like, like I said earlier, Maverick's still a new collective to the world. Mm -hmm. And it's as if like during the pandemic, Maverick City just came out of left field with this unique, raw, vulnerable, yet organic sound. And it's exactly what people needed. It didn't feel like this huge production. It's not like Tribal was like, all right, we need to book this warehouse for this, this warehouse for this. No, like y'all just had simple studios and a choir just stripped it down and made something happen. So did y'all have any kind of expectation on what was coming next? No, not at all. And that's the thing, like what you don't realize is that literally there's not much planning still to this day. If I'm honest, we've kept true to our roots. Um, there is production, but the, the choir that you see in those videos is not an actual choir. It's just people we invited and from Atlanta. So it's just like, Hey, come sing songs with us and like be something. And now we, you know, have a choir, but I mean, it really was just like, hey, let's come and worship in a room. And I think um, it's hard to do that and expect that everything that has happened would happen. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen next because we, I didn't see any of this coming. Yeah. And it's hard to fit the sound into one genre, which is what you've been able to do and break so many ceilings, especially in gospel and CCM music, because people 
they weren't necessarily ready for Mav, but it came out of left field and just kind of blew up. And that's how you know God's anointing is on it, because it's not like there were these massive marketing budgets being put into this thing. It was like, right. and I heard you say in an interview that you just kind of like got started with Mav City when you were at the Bethel School of Music doing some sort of class and you met the guys and it just kind of happened. So like one thing that I really want to touch on is your story, like not the story of how did you get connected with Maverick and how's it feel to be, have green rooms and arena shows? That's not what this is about. And if people want to hear about like Maverick city as a collective, I'm sure there's interviews out there for them, but that's not what this is about. I want to talk about you and your personal journey, your family and the journey to getting to the record called journey. So with all of that being said, would you be okay with opening up a little bit on your upbringing, your story to become the woman that you are today? Yeah, um, I was um, born and raised in Queens, New York, and uh, well, I was really born in Long Island, but anyway, um, raised in Queens, New York, lived there for a really long time. We just recently moved out to Long Island. And so that's just to say I'm a New Yorker um, through and through and um, two parent household, older brother. um, It was the four of us and we were born like we were raised in church. That was that was it. I was in rehearsals for probably 80% of my life. Um, And my parents were worship leaders and we just lived around music, around worship, around song. Um, And I learned, I would say, I learned everything I really know from my church experience. Um, It was it was wonderful. My parents regret um, that we didn't really go on vacations and we didn't do a lot. We we went to church um, and, and I don't regret it at all. It it shaped me. It it allowed me to be where I am today. I learned so much and we were in a super heavy teaching church and the music that we listened to, most of the music that we sang in our church was Hillsong music. And um, I want to say it's integrity music, yeah. um, Ron Cannoli, that type of stuff. So I didn't have like a super gospel upbringing um, in that regard. And I think that that shaped my voice. It shaped my expression as well. And still I have, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, a foreigner to gospel, but it shaped who I am and and how things moved. When I was 11 years old, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and that started um, a journey, a, the the ultimate journey um, that I have with the Lord. Um, I would spend time in my closet, locked in my closet, just worshiping and learning um, different songs, different worship songs and writing them down in my journal and asking the Lord questions and praying in the spirit and just getting to know him. And that probably lasted like in that intensity, I would come home from school and go straight into the closet. It's like we had a meeting, you know, every single day. And from there, it it opened up and I began to listen um, to more music, different types of music, more guitar driven stuff. And I was like just learning with him. It was like he was teaching me. And that lasted for like four years intensely. Um, Yeah, about four years, give or take, because then I had gotten into high school and, um, you know, I got a little distracted and got into boys and stuff. But, you know, things shifted. But that's when I began to minister, get into ministry and and learn how to actually apply what I had learned in the closet, you know, to to my time leading other people in worship. Um, If the real the real deal, nitty gritty, is that when I was. 18, um, I got pregnant and got sat down for ministry. 
And that was like super tough because it was like, oh no, I can't do the thing that I loved um, because I'm in, I'm in trouble now. And I really leaned into the Lord again. And he like, God is so good because he has a way of really teaching you the lesson that you need to learn if you'll let him um, rather than just making you feel like you're punished. And that was it, that he was the one I was able to talk to and really connect to through that whole time. Cause I'd lost a lot of close friendships because I was, I was the bad girl I was wearing the, the scarlet letter. Um, and as time went on, um, my husband and I ended up getting married and having more children. I kept in worship, kept, um, leading worship, but because I was sat down from my church, I was asked to direct a choir at another church. And what that did was that brought me out of my context, my non-denominational mega church context into a Presbyterian church, into an AME church. And I started to learn how God moves in different places and that how like, yeah, we might have a little doctrinal thing that separates us um, but that we're still really one in what we believe. And I had no context for the body at large. I only knew what I, what I had experienced in my context. And it was there that the Lord really gave me a heart and a love for his body and the people and the parts that look different than the other parts. Um, and from there, I would say like, I started singing background for an R&B artist and that tour got canceled like two days before we were supposed to go out. I went and bought a guitar. I was like, that's it. I'm going <laughs> to learn how to play guitar. And I got a guitar and I started writing songs and um, working on my music on my guitar. And I would say like the rest is history. Wrote Pour Me Out, sang that, went to Nashville, sang it, met the people. And it just like it just unfolded from there. And the only reason I tell this story like this is because I think for me, my life has been about the mission, right? What has the Lord called me to do? I know I have a legacy to uphold. I have like, this is an inheritance of mine. My parents um, were given a promise and a word and I know I'm fulfilling that. And so when I see all of, even with the things that I've done wrong and stupid and all of that, how God has continually like ordered my steps and allowed me to get to this place where I know it has nothing to do with really with me, you know, I'm really clear on that. I'm just following his leading and he's setting this up. And so now I get to literally live out my dream and worship Jesus at the same time. That's a nice praise, you know? That is something that deserves a praise break, which I'd break this chair if I really just jerked back and did it, you know? (laughs) I love it. I learned how to shout, (laughs) y'all. Come on. And I love that you brought up the Scarlet Letter because so many young guys and girls get so caught up in like, oh my gosh, I lost my virginity or I got pregnant out of wedlock and I don't know how to move forward from this. You got like, you had to step down from ministry for a season, like forcefully. How did you overcome that mental block and realize that God uses the broken? Hence, every almost every person in the Bible that God used was broken to some way, shape, or form, whether they had a ton of adultery, whether they were murdering people, like uh, all of it, like God still used them. How did you personally overcome that scarlet letter curse that people talk about to move into like, you know what? I did this. I have a beautiful child because of it, and I'm still going to continue to praise and serve God. I mean, that was one of the hardest things, honestly, to overcome. It's the shame, you know, Um, 
if I'm honest, when I got pregnant, I kept hearing, cause I, I've always been a songwriter and God has always spoken to me through songs and through little lines. Um, and I, when I, maybe a few months in, maybe four to six months, I kept hearing him say, there's a blessing in rain. There's a blessing in rain. There's a blessing in rain. And I'm like, okay, there's a blessing in rain. So when that stuff happens and it keeps, it's repetitive, I go look it up and I'm like rain. So now I'm doing like a Bible study on rain. And I'm like, well, rain, something, the flood. I don't know if it's always good, Lord. Um, you know, like there's a blessing in rain. And then I realized he wasn't talking, he wasn't just talking about actual rain, but he did tell me like, hey, when it rains, the flowers can grow, you know, and, and life can come from the thing that you feel like, oh man, I can't go outside and play. But my middle name is rain. And he was literally like, like this that you're carrying is a blessing. And I know you don't see it. I don't, you, I know you don't feel it right now, but I need you to trust me and recognize that this is a blessing. And I'm going to bring like beauty from your ashes. And honestly, my daughter, April is literally, she just turned 16 yesterday. I don't know what to do. I was um, so blown away. I was like, 16? A 16 year old. You just got out of college is what I thought. You know, I'm, I'm you, a good 22 Yes, or, yes. That's what you know, I thought. <laughs> give or take seven and ten. That's a lot of years. Um, but, you know, like she's literally a blessing to me. And I've learned so much. Like God has just shown me who he is, how he moves, how he loves us. He showed me like I can take bad things and make it beautiful. You know, that's yeah. it. That's so good. And one other thing I wanted to touch on, which I'm so glad you brought it up, Um with your daughter because it's so beautiful to hear those stories because you don't get that side of it very often. You always get, oh, this person did this. Here's how I overcame it. But no, here's what happened. And here's the blessing I got from it. No matter what anybody thinks about it, you gained a blessing through that. So it's so good to touch on that. And one other thing I want to touch on, is it true that you were two years old when you started to sing and you were 25 years old when you learned how to play guitar? Yes. Two, I sang my first concert um, in Queens, New York at Bethel Christian Learning Center. It's a, it was a school church thing. Um, or I think it was called New Greater Bethel. That was the school. But anyway, I went there when I was two and sang, yes, Jesus loves me. Um, and Hezekiah Walker was there and all these big gospel acts. And my mom said, I did not want to go home. She was like, no, no, me don't do you want to go home? I'm like, no, I want to sing. No, I want to sing. And I went up there, I think it was after midnight and sang my song and went home. And she said, I stayed up the whole time. I mean, I was singing since I was two. And when I told you, when I, when I got that tour canceled, I went and I was like, I'm getting a guitar. And I just started, I went on YouTube and learned like an E, um, E minor chord. That was like my first chord that I learned. Come on. And throughout the album journey in particular, you dive into quite a variety of topics, including mental health, which mm -hmm. is something that I touch on a lot here at Trevor Talks, seeing as it's so near and dear, close to my heart is something that I've been through. And I know millions of other people are struggling with as well. So with that being said, can you share a little bit on some of the journey that you've gone on to become the woman that you are today? Yeah. I mean, shame was a big thing. And we kind of talked about that. I had to work yeah. through that. And like shame is something that affects how you think, you know, it's not just what you think, it's how you think about, about everything. And, um, I had to go through a lot of deliverance and prayer and healing in order to be um, free from the shame. But I still kind of walked around very, um, numb, if that makes sense. I think sometimes we have, we get cut, we get a scar 
and that's okay. But when there's scar tissue, um, sometimes you need to have surgery to get that removed. So sometimes the way that you heal, you might've healed and you're no longer open, but that the way you healed wasn't always right. And so I think um, for me, I kind of healed in a way to kind of keep myself very far from people so that I couldn't get hurt and nobody could affect me. And I became very numb and I just kind of lived life. Also, you know, I was a new mom, I was a new wife and I was just in the, in the roles, like, cook making peanut butter and jelly and making sure I'm cooking dinner and doing this and doing that and just trying to be a good wife and a good mom and a good Christian and a good girl and a good, 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 good. That was my goal because I'd already been bad. Now I got to be good. And that kind of led to a huge upheaval um, a couple of years ago. And I had to really address and deal with where my heart really was. And as I started to deal with those things, I had to realize that, Oh no, like I created a whole life on another personality, you know, on a person that I'm not, I'm not actually like, I'm not actually that person. And in order to, cause my dreams were coming true. I was getting everything I want in order to live what God had been calling me to live. I had to be free. I had to be fully free. I had to be, um, fully myself even. And so as that happened, and I had to address things and deal with them and face them for real. Um, I like slipped into a mega depression um, because I was sad about what I saw, what I discovered about myself. Um, and after that, I I think the Lord allowed me to use the music to heal me. But really, it was just him saying, yep, and I still love you. Yeah. Yep, and I'm still here. Yep, and I'm still going to use you. Yes. And you're still anointed and blessed and this and that. And all the things that I thought that I was going to lose and really it was even fellowship and communion with God. Um, it didn't happen just because I was, you know, whatever I had, you know, conjured up in my mind that was so bad or so scary, um, or so immature, you know? Um, and after that, I, I think I'm in a good space now. I'm saying I think, but I know I'm in a good space now. I was able to process and the Lord allowed me to use this music. A lot of the music that you hear on this album is that season of letting him process me, letting uh, being honest about things, letting some people go and welcoming some people in and, and telling myself the truth, you know, yeah. um, according to his word. That's so good. And the first song that I ever heard that had you in it was actually Promises. And I mm-hmm. remember my friend Joel sent me the song and I was like, I usually like, I try to open all the music people send, but I don't usually get to. So mm-hmm. I opened it up and right when you started coming in with the, oh, your faithfulness, like, mm-hmm. excuse my singing. I'm just trying to let you know what part of the song I it love was. It. You I know love what it. I'm talking about. I, I know, know right? what you're talking about. And I just about jerked my neck off of my head. Like, I don't even know if that makes sense, but I was stunned. Like from the moment you came in there and Joe did such a great job with the song, but there was something about your part when you came in and then going into the chorus, like I put my faith in Jesus, the rock on which I stand. Like, I just about fell out the floor. Like I needed that in that season, in that season of time. Like, and I remember listening to it time and time and time again. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was a span of a week where I was just really down and depressed, like owning a media agency and doing the show. Like everything was just 
ramping up so quickly that I mm-hmm. didn't really know how I was hand- going to handle it mentally. And that song gave me so much peace in that season. And I just wanted to share that with you to know, like all of these little pieces, like all of these little features here and there, like all of it matters. There's not yeah. one voice in Maverick that champions over the other is equally a collective. And that leads me into asking this. It has to feel really cool with being a part of a collective of brothers and sisters that are like-minded and all championing the one true God. And being on the road that much, as much as you guys are, you've got those brothers and sisters out there that are helping hold you accountable, like not letting things go to your head. But it has to be stressful getting away from your family. So with having kids and a husband at home, how have you managed to keep your head on straight and not get so stressed out? Cause I know you're missing some events that you would like to be there for, but you know that God's in control. How have you managed all this? Honestly, um, I really believe that in this season I have a grace to do this. And so it hasn't felt um, super tough except for one week. And so what I've realized is that when I'm super, we had a press week um, because we had the kingdom book one album coming out and we were doing everything and our schedules were packed, 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 packed tight. And that was the moments that I'm, that I missed my home the most. And I felt the weight of like, I wasn't there to see them run down the street. You know, I was feeling the weight of that the most. Um, and a phone call wasn't going to do it, you know? Um, and I, so I had to just go home and spend time at home. And honestly, they played video games and really didn't talk to me much. Um, but it was good to, to be home. It was good to reset and recalibrate. And so for me, um, it's making sure that I don't get too busy, that I don't push myself too hard. I know my limits so that the things that I have grace for, you know, I don't abuse the grace, if that makes sense. Um, there was something else I was going to say. Well, also I was going to say that I'm going to bring them out with me on tour for like the last two weeks. And so it's important. And I normally wouldn't do that, but I'm making a decision to do that because I don't want to miss this time with them. And I don't, I don't need to regret it. You know what I'm saying? I think sometimes it's just making a different choice so that you don't have to regret something that you could have done something about. Yeah. And I don't think you'll regret it. Like they're going to get to live that Prevo life, get to know what the deal is out there. Like that's, um, Alexa Penavega called it glamping. Her and her husband are taking their kids on the road with Big Time Rush. And we talked to her a few weeks ago. She's like, yeah, we're going glamping on tour. And it's like, I've seen artists do it very successfully being Skillet, Lacey Sturm, um, yeah. the Big Time Rush crew. Like parenting on the road is a whole different beast. So I can't wait to touch base on that later. But I do have we a few see. songs. I know, right? I have a few songs that I want to dive in on what I call okay. track by track. And I really want to start with my second favorite on the album, which I like them all equally, but this is the second one that really stood out to me and it's called Paper Plates. And I love it because it's not your typical bop for any genre or artist. It's such a random thought to have like paper plates, like throw them away, you know, like don't get caught up in all the material things in life. And it had to be stunning to like go on a rabbit trail to be the first gospel artist to perform in 20 years on the main show for the Grammys, nevertheless win a Grammy. Like that was one of the things that popped through my head. Listen, this song is like, I wonder how like that led into this and if it was written before. So with all that being said, can you dissect paper plates for us? Paper Plates is a song about convenience. And it's really me recognizing that I like everything quick and easy, like 
please spare me the the real, you know, because I have to wash that stuff and I have to care for it. And if you're not careful, they break, you know. And so also I don't like washing the dishes after I cook dinner. And so it's like, just give me a paper plate, give me some plastic forks and we just throw that stuff out. And it's it had become I had kind of built my life in a way where I was just trying to skate by with the bare minimum, you know, like I'll cook, but I don't want to clean and, you know, I'll do this, but I don't want to do that. And I realized that that was not going to be um, an efficient and effective way to live life. If I wanted to grow and learn from, from the reality of the situation, because the reality is even when, you know, now I'm going to become an activist, even when you throw those paper plates and plastic forks and plastic cups into the trash, they don't just disappear. And we think that sometimes like when we just put it to the side or we throw it out that it's done and it's over. That's not true. There are implications there that we might not be paying attention to, but they come up um, later on. And so it's really a song about, um, dealing with life, dealing with what you already have, not buying something disposable or running to find, you know, I had, I had a friend that would hang out with like fake friends and not her real friends because it was easier. Like, Oh, we're just going to go have fun. But it's like, we're going to actually challenge you and be like, Hey, what's going on with you for real? You know? Um, and so paper place is about that. It's making a decision or really acknowledging the fact that I would rather be raggedy and, um, and irresponsible than actually deal with real life and be present and be responsible and clean the daggone yeah. dishes. <laughs> Yep. You do not come across as raggedy, number one. Number two, the one of the lines in the song that really touched base with me is like, I'm the kind of dude that's, I'm not going to drive around the parking lot looking for a spot close enough to the store where I don't have to walk too far. It's like, you spend so much more time doing that than just go to the back of the lot and walk. So, and then I was like, you know what? I wonder how many recycling activists are going to reach out. You should have said recycling, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, y'all, y'all shut up. Y'all aren't getting the message here. And I love that song so much so thank and you again wait, for hold being, on. Uh-huh. i live in new york i live in new york city so parking in a lot is like almost a hundred dollars okay for a few hours so that was the thing it's just like being wasteful and like i don't care just spend the money and not like park on the street for maybe seven dollars you know it's like it's the it's the mindset of like it doesn't matter I've, I've got money to burn and it's like you're irresponsible because you're lazy Sorry. You said a hundred dollars to park your car. No, it can cost you like seventy five bucks to park your car. Bro, I'm I'm an hour east of Atlanta. I'm good. <laughs> like I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> like wow, that's a lot. Now I will say, pressing on, which we talked about this beforehand, the lead single for the record, "Not Ready." I wasn't ready for it because when I heard it, I was like, I had COVID number one, and oh, I just started like. I turned it all the way up, even though I had a headache and I started dancing. So like it hit all the right spots. And like I was saying earlier, like the premiere came up on my YouTube because I had subscribed and I was like, okay, like this is going to come out. I need to be ready to see this. Like one day we're going to get the interview and I want to know, like, I want to be amongst the first to watch it in which I was. And wow, like it just hit all the right marks. So <laughs> I want to give you the opportunity to give us a little snippet of not ready and what the song means to you personally. Okay. Um, 
You want the snippet first or can I weave it into the story? Weave it into the story. All right. I'm going to weave it. Um, This Not Ready was written from that place. And I wrote it with um, some friends, so I didn't write it alone. But it was written from the place of when I had slipped into that deep depression. And um, my friend told me like, hey, like you were depressed. And I was like, no, I wasn't. It was like, yeah, like you were. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? It's like, well, if I had told you, like you would be like in a much worse space. Um, and that was like a conversation after I had really gone to the Lord and was just like, I need help. Like, I really just need you to help me. I just need help. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. I don't, I don't have it together. I don't know if I'm going to even do what you tell me, but I just need help. I know you're literally the only answer, you know? And so that's what it means. Um, when you hear that, um, I know I need to pray, but I don't know how to say I'm not ready. I'm not ready to change. I want to trust in you. But if I told the truth, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to change. That's what it, you know, that's what I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I, would, I just want to weave it in, you know. It's so good. It in. And, <laughs> wow. Okay. So I've got to follow that up. <laughs> and <laughs> no. like from the beginning of the song going into, let's just be honest, Jesus, I'm a mess. Can't I'm a mess. Sorry. Exactly. We're all a mess <laughs> and can't seem to fill this void of emptiness. My bills are paid, but I'm still stressed. I need you. I need you. Trying to medicate and all the pain can't hush these voices inside my brain or in my brain. Mm-hmm. It just keeps going on and on to all these relatable things that people go through on a daily basis. Yet this is you talking to you for us and we're all just relating with it. And then you dive into the video, which gives you a throwback of what feels like a different time zone. I believe that was intentional, but I'm not positive. It was. And yeah. So like, what was the process with like, okay, I need a music video because Maverick has like the performance videos, but not necessarily a music video. So this was your first like lead music video. How did that feel? What was the process for that? And if you sing again, I might pass out. Um, so that I must sing. Um, I think um, for me doing a video was super fun. Like for me, I always saw Journey as a visual album um, from the beginning. Um, And so it was important for me to have visuals that help people relate. But the music changed on Journey. So the music was much more like somber at first um, and like very, very emo. And I had um, gotten together with a producer and he produced like a remix. Um, And we were going to release the first one as the regular and like release this as a remix, which is so 90s in and of itself. Uh, But the throwback vibe was just so strong. And I loved it because it's almost like that dichotomy of like my bills are paid, but I'm still stressed. So it's the song feels really good. But when you listen to the words, you're like, this is kind of also sad, you know, but I think it's it's the reality of life. Sometimes, sometimes we are living, we're smiling, we're going out, we're having fun, but yet we're still dealing with some real life issues. And I just thought it would be um, very creative and bold to release it like that and just let it speak for itself. And it does speak for itself. So you had a home run there. And one of my other favorites, which they're all my favorites. So I need to quit saying it. One of my other favorites on the record is safe, which made me feel safe, really diving into it and helped me feel 
comfort in listening to this record. And it kind of serves as two sides of nurturing for me personally. It not only showed the love of the father, but it also showcased your heart as a mother. And do you believe being a mother has helped you mold your craft as a songwriter? And what do you think this song's meaning is overall for you? You know, Trevor, you really just be picking up the things. Yes. I literally wrote that song for one of my sons. Um, so it's interesting that you picked that up. Um, and it was from me, but also from the heart of the father. Um, so it's so interesting that you picked that up. But yeah, to me, being a mom and not just a mom to my natural children, I have like people that I am uh I would say like spiritually responsible for, I pray for them and I listen to them and hold them down. That whole thing in and of itself has grown me as a person. It's grown me even as an artist. I want to be mindful of everything that I put out. I'm very aware of some of the, some of the music, when you ask questions, when you say, um, I'm not ready to change, some people will take that and run with it and be like, see, no, let's just be raggedy, you know? And it's not, it's, that's not what this is about. And so being a mom has helped me to be very mindful of what I put out there, right? Because I think people are impressionable and people are looking for any answer. They're not looking for the right answers. They're just looking for anything and even people to um, push responsibility on for their own actions. But I think it's helped me to kind of make music that I can really stand by and I can go toe to toe with people like in the word of God, like, Hey, no, this is a real thing. Right. And we need to address this and we need to handle this. And I think there's a maturity. Um, I don't want, I didn't want to say maturity. I want to say there's an authority in that, you know, when you speak from a place of nurturing and care, um, I think there's authority in that. It speaks from a different part of the heart of God. Come on. And as we're coming to a close, there's another song. I I know, right? But we got to honor your time. You're busy and today's technically your Sabbath. So we're going to slim it in, you know, and we'll do another one, I'm sure. But the last song I really wanted to talk about, which I haven't heard it discussed in any of your other interviews. So I was really wanting to ask about the song Hold On, because I believe it's such a sweet melody as well as the whole record, but we can't talk about the whole thing in this time frame. But, um, Obviously, Still Alone is another one of those songs. And it was hard for me to nail down the songs to discuss, but this one really tackles everything that is very taboo to talk about still today, which is being alone. Aloneness is such a hard thing, and not a lot of people understand it quite to its full effect yet. When you hear of people dying by suicide or overdosing or uh, getting into alcohol, pornography, uh whatever it may be, a lot of it is rooted from that little tiny seed of aloneness that goes undealt with. So when it comes to still alone, what would you say to that person that's listening to it? And is like, I needed to hear this. I know for a fact I'm feeling alone right now. And what would the message be from Naomi Rain? I think the message would be that just because you're alone doesn't mean you have to be lonely. And um, I would tell that person to Ask the Holy Spirit. Don't just do introspection or like talk to anybody. I would tell that person, if you have a relationship with God, even if you don't try it today, you know, like ask the questions. Why don't I want to be by myself? What does it mean to me? Because I think that we all have different reasons of being afraid of of being alone. And some of it is because we don't want to deal with us. And some of it is because we feel rejected by other people. And so I think that there's... um, 
there's a trail and there are roots to whatever your thing is, right? And whatever you're you're dealing with. But I think that when you face it, when you face whatever that fear is, um, it gives you the ability to conquer it and it can't have you anymore. Right. And so that's literally still alone. I end from a place of like, okay, this is what I was so afraid of. This is what I was trying to avoid this whole time. This is what I found out that I was. And now I'm okay. Wait, I survived. Hello. I'm still here, you know? And so my prayer is that people would hear the song and feel like somebody understands them, but then also feel like this kind of hand reaching out to pull them up out of the lie that being alone is such a bad thing. It's not. And um, yeah, I think it, I think when people dive deep, I think it can be very healing for them. Come on, come on. Well, Journey as a whole is available on all major streaming platforms. And Naomi, it's been such a pleasure to have you on today. It's It's been so refreshing. This has been fun and I'm sure we'll do it again in the future. Yes, I hope so. Was this a good 100th episode? This was the best 100th episode. So thank you for being a part of it. And for everybody that's listening this far in, thank you so much for making 100 episodes happen. And for all the new people that are here just for Naomi, I get it. And we love you. Welcome to our family. Naomi, thank you for being here today. And uh, again, everybody, the links for all of Naomi's music, social media, website, merch, everything is going to be in the description below. We love you guys so much. And if you're struggling today and need a little extra help and care, getting through your day please remember that your life matters god has so much purpose for your life he's given you such such a unique spirit about you and there are resources available at heartsupport.com and then at death the number two life.com we want you to live to see another day again your life has so much purpose and we love you so much and we'll talk to you guys next week bye now Well, the physician comes in and says, tells this lovely couple, hey, your son's not going to make it. But there's a young girl here in the hospital who just delivered a baby girl and she's given her up. She's going to leave her here. Do you want her instead? That was chart topper Ryan Stevenson sharing a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear artists, songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell their stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.